Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That with me, Josh Hallam. And me, Alice Oliver. This is the podcast where we talk about films that we think are underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about them. We're also going to get stuck into some classic films that one of us maybe hasn't seen and maybe throw in some great guests along the way. So, we start as we do every week with a random question. Alice, what was your favourite childhood toy? And I mean, I mean proper toy, not, you know, not a Game Boy. I know that's a toy, but like, what do you think of traditional toys when you're a kid, you know, before you're sort of 11, 10 or whatever? So, uh, something that I was quite infatuated with was like this little... It was like a little kitchen set, like a proper little housewifey kitchen set. So there was like a microwave and I had loads of little plastic pies and stuff that could go in the microwave. I think I had like my own dustpan and brush and then like a big proper broom to do all the sweeping <laughs> with and stuff. I just really have vivid memories of of playing with that and really, really enjoying it. What I was going to say, though, before you made me be specific about the toys was I did have a tricycle that I was obsessed with as well. And I, I suppose that isn't really a toy, is it? I'm trying to think of like anything. because I. So basically, I hated dolls. Like I really hated anything that was like traditionally, well, I was going to say, I hated anything that was traditionally girly, except I loved being in the kitchen. But I really hated <laughs> dolls. So like I never had any dolls or anything. I do remember actually having those, you know, those little pots of like gunge that you would sort of... Um. Uh, push down with your thumb and they'd make fart noises and stuff and thinking, oh, this is hilarious, but also just really liking the way it felt. Um, but yeah, my little kitchen set, I think, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. I think because it was quite jazzy as well, like the broom had bright pink and blue bristles and it was all stripy and stuff. Not your average broom, I'll from, tell you. Uh, from, from what you are saying about uh, cooking the other week, that's the last time you were interested in a kitchen, isn't it? <laughs> Hey, listen, make, if you want you make a many, plastic... Uh, <laughs> did you make many plain Jackie potatoes in the, uh, <laughs> in the kitchen? No, now that you mention it. <laughs> no, yeah, what are you making, was... little Alice? <laughs> plain Jackie potato. <laughs> I bet you can't wait. Yeah, maybe that was it. Maybe it ruined it for me. I just got all my fill when I was little of plastic pies. What about you, Josh? What was little Josh's favourite toy? Um, just, yeah, few... Did you ever have the thing that was? Did you ever have the um, thing that made slush? 
It was called like um, Frosty Man or Frosty Jack or something. Yeah, and so you'd get you were given like shaped ice cube trays and yeah, you yeah. make the ice and put yeah. it in and then you'd grind the thing yeah, and, and make you slush puppies. You could make slushy yeah. stuff. And everyone yeah. wanted one and I got one. And I, I probably I had one too. <laughs> played with it for about a month. But it was amazing when I did play with it. So that was one. I can't I think it was called a Frosty Jack or a Frosty Jim or something like that. So um, I think my my one was like the actual slush puppies one. I feel like it oh was yeah. in the shape of a dog and it was the slush puppies one. Oh no, but yeah, now that you mention it, I was obsessed with mine every summer. Every summer I'd crack it out and make yeah. just really awful slush puppies out of like really cheap squash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was either that or um, like I did like action man, not to be like, not to be like you and also be, you know... <laughs> Going for gender stereotypes, but yeah. I did like a like a, like I had all the action men: the one where you could look through the back of his head, the one that could swim, the one with the dog, the one that could bungee jump. Brilliant, loved an action man. <laughs> so we'll move on to talking about this week's film, which is <sighs> Speed Two: Cruise Control. Oh. Oh, he's excited. He's excited, I can tell. (laughs) Which we're going to call Speed 2 all the way through this. I'm not saying Speed 2 Cruise Control. It's not happening. I'm not saying it all the way through it. So, Alice, you pick this one. Obviously, before you go into it, spoilers. So, what's the plot of Speed 2 Cruise Control? And why did you pick pick Speed 2 Cruise Control? (laughs) And that's the last time you'll say Speed 2 Cruise Control. Uh, So, Speed 2 Cruise Control is about... uh, young couple in love (laughs) called Annie and Alex. And basically they go on a cruise to sort of not even like rekindle their relationship. It's just never been particularly romantic. They've never even spent a weekend together as we learn through the very gripping dialogue that we get given. So they go on this cruise, but it gets taken over by this villain called Geiger, who's played by Willem Dafoe, who wants to steal all these very expensive diamonds that are on the cruise, I believe, to pay for his medical bills because he's incredibly sick. So he takes over the ship, he sort of hacks into the mainframe because he's actually the one who designed it, and all hell breaks loose, and they try to evacuate the ship, get people off, but that doesn't work, so then people are stuck on the ship, there's all kinds of chaos going on, but luckily, Officer Alex and Annie save the day and get the bad guy. And that's it in a nutshell. That is it in a nutshell. And I think that that pitch was in some ways better than the film. I'm not going to lie. Um, so why did you pick this one? I'm interested to know. So I picked this one because, so I really loved the first Speed. So I probably should have mentioned that in the in the synopsis. This is uh, the successor to Speed 1, uh, just known as Speed, starring Keanu Reeves. And I really enjoyed that film. And I had seen this a few times when I was younger. And I remember thinking that it was pretty naff and just kind of a bit daft and I felt like it didn't really do very well and just to make sure for this episode so I did check kind of what scores it got just in case just to make sure that it was underrated and saw that it was rated absolutely appallingly so I just felt like yeah I need to revisit this I need to give it a go I want to see if it's as bad as people think it is and I actually really enjoyed myself watching it again Josh had you seen this one before? Um, I'd seen probably about 20 minutes of it at some point when it was on TV. So no, I hadn't seen it before. I, do, do you know what? As much as I've laughed about it and I laugh when you picked it and stuff, I um, I was interested to watch it because I was interested to know um, if it was as bad as everyone says it was. Because obviously the legacy of the film 
pun intended, weighs it down like an anchor. <laughs> so it is a case of, is it that bad? And quite often these films are bad, but they're never no normally as bad as, as what the critics said they were at the time. Um, so let's so let's let's dive into it then. You you you've already said you enjoyed it. Let's start with the positives. What did you like about it? So I just thought it was like a really kind of fast, light-hearted action film. There was motorbikes, there was boats, there was great action scenes in the water. Uh, there were guns, uh, and I felt like there was just really a lot to enjoy about it. Um, and I personally don't think it's really any worse than things like the Fast and Furious films. I felt like, you know, the story was probably as intricate as it is for, for those sorts of action. It's like action trash, isn't it? And I feel like there is a place for those sort of films. And um, I thought William Defoe was a brilliant villain. I mean, I think he's quite a good actor anyway. But he was like just this great sort of maniacal, like he did the proper evil guy laugh a few times, like literally like, <laughs> so I really enjoyed that. And I liked how like there was no, there was absolutely no mistaking him as the villain to the point where they had him putting leeches on himself. And when sort of the main characters kind of led by Alex, uh, you know, barge into his room to uh, after they've realised that he is the terrorist who has taken over the ship, all these leeches have just been left in the bath and it just looks disgusting. And it's like, yeah, you need to know that this guy is evil. Uh, you get a great sort of James Bond-esque gadget montage when you're seeing all of Geiger's little gadgets that he's got. So he He's, so basically, he's the terrorist. He he is the one who has designed the ship's kind of systems and stuff, but he got fired. I can't really remember why, but he, it turns out that he's really, really sick, and so he needs to pay for his medical bills. So he goes on the ship with the intention of hacking into the mainframe, taking control, and I guess crashing it in, into the into port, into land. Um, and you just get this great montage where, you know, there's like his golf clubs are all, you know, other things and his golf balls are all other things and he's got like all these different computers and there's just this great sequence uh where, where you sort of discover about his kind of all his techie side I suppose because he's not like a great big brooding villain and I don't really think he's got that many weapons or anything I think maybe he's got like one gun as well I suppose he's got a few explosives that he darts about the ship um but I thought there was some really interesting action sequences. Uh, there was a great one where he locks Alex in a room and he ties a grenade to the door and the room that Alex is in is completely on fire. I mean, he's not suffering from smoke inhalation whatsoever. And there were definitely some issues with the realism of the film, but we'll get onto those. Um, but yeah, and then a great uh, jet ski action scene where he kidnaps Annie and, and takes her away. And I just, I thought it was just a bit of a romp, you know, just a bit of a fun action-y romp. What were your first impressions coming away from it? So <clears throat> I agree with what a lot of, a lot of what you've just said there. Really, my first my first note was Willem Dafoe is um, is is brilliant as the villain. Like he, like you say, it's not it's not a realistic film. No one's watching Speed Two for a realistic film. Do you know what I mean? It's not Angela's Ashes or something, is it? So it's not a, it's not a Ken Loach film. But so. But but Willem Dafoe is a really good villain, and he, like you say, he does do this scenery chewing, cackling villain villainous laugh, like you say, almost cartoony. He's been he's been linked. He was linked for a long, long time, probably in the sort of eighties and nineties, with the role of the Joker for Batman. Obviously, he then went on to play Green Goblin in Spider Man, so it's it, I think that was his Joker, if you like. But um, when he's doing his laugh, like you say, he has like a cackle. It's like a like sort of thing isn't it and it's like it's like the joker and and obviously he's got this massive 
massive grin on his face and he's got a really sort of he can really contort his face in different ways and that's just perfect for a villain for for a villain like you said they do do weird stuff like make him <laughs> make him use leeches without ever really explaining it i think it's meant to be he i think he's meant to have some sort of copper poisoning and then the leeches are supposed to help with that but it's never really explained that and i think like you say he's meant to have been sacked by the cruise company after he'd done his job and designed their IT systems. And it's one of these things that you say, it's made in the 90s. So anyone who's, it's someone who's good with computers is, in this case, anyone who's got a laptop <laughs> and can seemingly just type stuff. Back in the days when to like commands on a laptop seemed to be type open and a door would open or whatever. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a technical whiz myself, but so I thought Willem Dafoe was very good. I thought, same as what you've just said there. Um, some of the stunts are really good. It opens with a really good stunt with Jason Patrick um, on a motorbike. Um, and it ends It ends with a very, I mean, despite the film's reputation, it ends with a really, really famous stunt where they crash a boat into a harbour. And I know that they did, well, in a way, in terms of movie making, they did that by making that they created, you know, it was a practical effect. So they created the front of the boat and they actually did something akin to crashing it into the harbor so i mean i couldn't i couldn't help but appreciate some of the stunts i also think and because it's i think it's similar or the same score from the first one it's got a really good action score it's got a really good it's 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 like you say it's it's very cheesy and stuff but there's a there's a line all the way through it's like a dun 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 and it uses it in the first one and it uses it in this one as well and i think that's i think that's a really good action score because it's it keeps it it's just very fast and yeah so I mean, in terms of what I like, that's that's about the long and short of it, to be honest. So that being said, was there anything else you liked about it? So I did actually find it quite funny. Uh, I appreciate there were sort of quite a lot of jokes that fell flat, but there were some that really did make me laugh. One of my favourites is when Annie, who's played by Sandra Bullock, finds the chainsaw on the boat. I don't know why the chainsaw is on the boat, but obviously it really came in handy in this instance. And she tries to save these people who are sort of trapped between two doors that have locked. So she chainsaws through the door and she goes to the people who she saved like, are you going to come out? Are you, can you get out now? Are you going to get out now? And they're like, if you back off with the saw, because she's just holding the chainsaw like this. You can't see me, but my hands are in front of my body. Like I'm holding a chainsaw in front of people. Um, and and she, it's still going. It's like revving, 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 like right in these people's faces. And they're like, if you back off with the saw, we'll give it a try. And there were just a few little moments like that that I enjoyed. I really liked it when the boat crashed into the harbour. And you get a lot of these like funny little moments with the people who are seeing the boat coming to crash in. So you've got the woman who's like checking out a condo with her son and the son's like, mama, boat's coming. And she's like, oh, that's nice, sweetie. You know, like just not understanding what's happening. You get some people who are sort of on the phone and then they look behind and it's like, oh my God. So there's a few moments like that that I really enjoyed. Um, I really appreciated all the use of shaky cam uh, because I feel like that's not always an easy choice. Um, you, it's not always guaranteed it's going to work. And sometimes it felt a bit much and like, like it was, you know, giving me a bit of a headache or whatever, but it really, it, it has a lot to do with sort of trying to make you feel like you're on a boat, I think. And especially on a boat that is malfunctioning and has been taken over by a psychopath. So you get loads and loads of shaky cam, like a lot of the way through it. Uh, the other thing as well, and this is what my husband informed me is it was quite true to how it is actually on a cruise. 
Like he used to go on a lot of cruises when he was a kid for some reason. Like that was his mum's holiday of choice for him. So he's been on tons of cruises. And he said that it is very similar to that, like with the music and the cheesy singing and people just dancing for no reason. You know, ridiculous cocktails with with so many like umbrellas and bits of fruit in them and people trying to sell you stuff and people trying to stop you. So we get Dante's character, who's like the ship photographer. And, you know, he's kind of stopping people on the gangway as they're trying to get onto the boat. It's like, oh, stop, take a picture. And it's just like, oh, that just takes so long. And then you've just got people standing there waiting to get on the ship. And it's so annoying. Um, So I just really appreciated all those things. We'll move on now to things that we we perhaps didn't like about the film. Now, obviously, we've gone into this because we the film itself is is... Is, is known to be critically panned, and we want to know if it is as bad as its reputation suggests it is. So there are there are flaws in the film. There are flaws, but I'll let you go first. So obviously not a great representation of women. Uh, we start with Annie, uh, played by Sandra Bullock, and, you know, she's a terrible driver, and the driving instructor she's with, you know, is terrified to be in the car with her, and she's doing all these ridiculous <laughs> things, and it was just like, oh, here we go. Women are bad drivers. Okay, haven't heard that one before. And also, it's a bit rich, considering in the first film, she was, like, key into making sure that nobody died by driving that bus, which was rigged with explosives. So I thought that was a bit unrealistic that she was a bad driver. Um, Just a lot of really silly, you know, kind of unrealistic moments, like why is Alex not wearing a helmet when he's doing this crazy motorbike chase? I also feel like the opening motorbike chase scene went on way too long. Like it was just so long of not really much happening. Um, So they've been in a relationship for seven months and they both say like, oh, this is the longest relationship I've ever had. So then it's like, oh, are you both just really shallow people? And then he goes to propose to her after seven months, even though they say they've never spent the weekend together. He's like, well, that's a bad idea. I also didn't like that he proposed to her just after he'd saved her life. It's like, so she's in a really vulnerable position. I think I've said before about like men, you know, who presume to kiss a woman when she's crying and stuff. And this just kind of reminded me of this. It's like, obviously, if you propose to a woman after you've just saved her life she's going to say yes because you are her savior like you've literally just protected her so that done my head in a little bit um the music the music was just constant like so constant really cheesy at times as well and i just thought that was too much it's kind of like the film saying oh this is how you're meant to feel oh this is a romantic bit this is a sad bit this is a serious bit and it's like no let the audience come to those conclusions themselves you don't need the music to guide us all the bloody time do, do you mean the the music or and the score or just the music because i quite like the score no i think i think mostly the score it was mostly the non-diegetic music there was lots of diegetic music as well but it was just it was just constant did you not feel like it was just too much uh, the, i suppose when i say i like the score i just mean in the action scenes i suppose it's got a good repetitive beat in in, in like i said before the dun 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 however i will concede that some of the music is annoying because like so, for example, UB40 are in this film, and they're just on the boat, and they're not. I don't think they're meant to be UB40. I think they're just meant to be the ship's band who mirror a real life band who played the exact same type of music and had an album coming out at the time, presumably that needed to promote. I mean, that sort of music isn't my isn't to my taste anyway. But yeah, no, I did find it irritating. It was a bit like you say. There's a bit where they have a slow dance and they're having a sort of more intimate conversation. So like it's a slow song and, and and like you say, it's a little bit like 
they're holding an applause sign up to you as the audience and being like, this is how you're supposed to feel now and you should know because we're playing a soppy song and it's not a musical. So that's just unnecessary, really, I suppose. So I appreciate what you're saying about the music, yeah. Yeah. Also, um, you get a lot of, like, loads of offloading of information, uh, especially from Geiger. Like, you get a few scenes where he literally just states exactly what he's doing, exactly why he's doing it, and his reasons for doing so. It's just like, this is what happened to me, so this is what I'm going to do now, and this, this, and this. And again, it's just like... I, I do prefer films that are more show don't tell. Like you don't, you shouldn't just always assume that your audience isn't going to get it. Like have faith in your audience, have faith that, you know, we're going to know what's happening and you don't obviously like need to show us everything all the time. Um, something that literally just popped into my head now that we completely forgot to mention. So the the guy who plays, not the captain, because the captain dies quite early when Geiger throws him off board, on off board, overboard, <laughs> off board, <laughs> overboard. Um, so the, the like the second mate and the guy who takes over. So he's in the Mandalorian, no? Isn't he? Yeah, it's Boba Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah. Tamiru Morrison. Yeah. So that was crazy. He plays, yeah, he plays every clone trooper in the prequels. He's in he's in Green Lantern as well. He plays Abin Sora in that, and yeah, he plays Boba Fett in the Mandalorian. So he, he's much older now. Obviously, he's like twenty twenty three years older. But he's really good. I thought he actually yeah, gave yeah. a really good yeah, performance. Yeah, he, he is good in it. He's always, I've never he's he's good in everything I've ever seen him in. Mean, it was just so interesting to see him in that, like a, a just kind of because yeah. I, I saw him and they have I was a very, like, um, they have a very diverse crew, don't they? It's like an American guy, a Scottish guy, a Kiwi. There's, there's, it's like yeah, they're trying to get someone from every continent or something. Yeah, good. I suppose, I suppose, yeah, maybe maybe you would have that on on like a cruise ship because you're kind of visiting suppose, so many different places. Yeah, I suppose the nature of the work is. Like, I've known friends who've gone off and worked on cruises and stuff, and yeah, it is people from all over the world, I suppose, isn't it? So, mm. yeah. The, Sorry, as you were saying. Um, one, uh, there's a couple of other things I didn't like. So, uh, again, with kind of the lack of realism. So, I believe one, um, there's a moment where Alex and Annie have fallen into the ocean. They're sort of, oh, Annie has tried to escape from Geiger. So, he's sort of kidnapped her on a jet ski. Uh, they're going out into sea and she jumps off to, to kind of escape him. So, then Alex jumps underwater to save her. And because she's running out of oxygen, he like kisses her and, you know, blows oxygen into her mouth. And it's like, no, it doesn't work like that. We know it doesn't work like that. So I was just like, oh, with that bit. Also, a huge bag of diamonds that's floating in the water. You telling me that a huge bag of rocks is just going to float? I don't think so. And then the other thing that just kind of bothered me and uh, similar similar to kind of the shaky cam was uh, the flashing lights like so obviously when the ship is malfunctioning and everything sort of starts going wrong the lights are flashing um and that just goes on and on and on for so long like it's just scenes and scenes of these flashing lights and it just kind of makes you feel a bit like like you feel like you need to turn away almost like it's just too much for your eyes and kind of similar with the shaky cam it's like I get it I get why you're doing it because you want it to emulate a, a ship that's in danger but it's just too long to the point where it's making your audience feel uncomfortable or at least making me feel uncomfortable anyway also annie says after alex gets sick that she loves that he got sick because it made him really vulnerable and meant she could look after him and i hate that it's like you shouldn't love <laughs> you shouldn't love that someone got sick that's awful like he was vomiting because he felt so seasick and she's like oh i love it that you got sick like it's so cute and i can look after you and it's like ugh awful that's um is that on Munch Munchausen's by proxy yeah 
<laughs> exactly. That's a mental illness you have, Annie, yeah, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah, yeah get help. Yeah. Get, get help. <laughs> so anything else that you, you weren't a fan of there, Josh? I realised I kind of, I went on for a little bit there. I was just like, because there was a lot, you know, as much as I enjoyed it, it is a flawed film. It is a flawed it is, film. It is, it is. It is a flawed film. And I think one of the reasons why it, its legacy is that of a very flawed film. I tried to watch it without thinking about the first speed because as much as it's a sequel, we're trying to judge it on its own merits. Before I go on, by the way, if you've not seen speed one, we might spoil that as well. But there are two main issues with the film and you can't help but compare it to the first one. The first issue is actually for me, well, there's two issues. The first issue is the concept. The second issue is the script and one informs the other. So the main issue with, with, with the concept is that Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's on a cruise ship and not on a bus, right? So I don't know how it got to being made and having all this money spent on it without anyone saying, are you sure you want to set it on a cruise ship? Because the whole jeopardy and the whole reason the first one is so good is because it's a bus that can't go below 50 miles an hour. It's kind of get for a busy city without slowing down while there's a bomb on board. So all the jeopardy is in every obstacle that they come across. So there's a bit in the first one that's really fantastic where Sandra Bullock is driving the bus and she hits a pram. And there's a moment where your heart is in your mouth because she thinks she's hit a pram with a baby in it. And as the camera cuts back, it's full of cans. 
And it's a really, really good moment. And I always, every time I watch that film, I think, God, that's a really good piece of sort of like action cinema filmmaking. But in this, you can't just replace a bus with a cruise ship because a cruise ship, in relative terms, can't go that fast because, or it is going fast, but it's on open water. So it doesn't appear that it's going fast because relatively speaking, it can't be compared to other things unless it was about two cruise ships. I don't know. But so that's an issue. The second thing is, as I've just said, it's in open water. So there aren't obstacles for it to avoid. So when the obstacles are there, it's it's like a big oil tanker. And it's just people, as this, as this, this ship slowly approaches this oil tanker, it's just people going, look out. And it's like, no, it's it properly. I mean, I can't, again, I can't watch this without thinking of Father Ted. Because if you, if you, if you don't know Father Ted, there's an episode where they make it, there's an episode called Speed 3, which is speed set on a milk float, right? And it's like, go, it's at five miles an hour rather than 50 miles an hour. Do watch it, it's hilarious. But I couldn't help but think of that when I'm watching Speed 2 because the just, the, the jeopardy isn't there in compared to the first one. I mean, the first speed is, really really cheesy but it's good cheesy and because the action is so good it doesn't matter because you just sort of you just sort of along for the ride but in this one the script tries to fill in the holes that are left by that lack of jeopardy and by that lack of obstacle and so because the script is cheesy it's even more noticeably bad because it's trying to fill in those holes and so instead of i suppose what i'm trying to say in terms of the concept is Instead of basing the action on movement, they try and base it on the building of tension without considering other elements like the music and stuff like that. So so the issue is still there. So there is no action. There's a lack of action, but the tension isn't really built up well enough because it's a cruise ship. So there are some good stunts and some good action set pieces. Like you said, I liked the whole thing with the grenade. But ultimately, the reason why it's bad compared to the first one is it's 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 just it's just boring. It's slow paced. In 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 terms of that, it's on a cruise ship and not a bus. Do you know what I mean? Sure, I, I certainly hear what you mean. But I I definitely didn't find it boring myself. I don't I don't mean boring. I wouldn't say it's it's it, boring is the first word that comes to mind. What I mean is there's a lack of jeopardy. Because it's on, it's one cruise ship. What they do is they, so Speed is a high concept film, a bus that can't slow down below 50 miles an hour. And they take away the 50 miles an hour device to a film set on a cruise ship. So that high conceptness isn't there. And the action, what creates the action in the first Speed film is the constantly avoiding of obstacles. But that's not there in this film because it's a cruise ship, so it can't avoid obstacles, it can't turn quickly, it can't get around stuff. So they try and build the action up in other ways, but some of it just falls a little bit flat for me. Um, And then the second issue I did have with it, leading on from that, is the script. So because, and this, this is something you already mentioned, so because there is a lack of movement, a lack of jeopardy and a lack of action, they try and tell us the plot through a poor script. So in the first one, Every action beat is because Keanu Reeves' character is trying to solve a problem. So how do they solve the fact that they're coming up against a traffic jam? Well, they have to turn off. How do they solve a problem that there's a a bit of the road missing? Well, they have to get everyone to the back of the bus to make sure. And I know it's ridiculous that I'm even talking about the realism and logistics of this, but that's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) So, so So there's this poor script and it's, 
the first thing I thought was it's quite clear that the character was meant to be Keanu Reeves. Then he apparently came close to doing it, read the script and wouldn't want to, and didn't want to do it. So then they leave this hole, this Keanu Reeves shaped hole, which is not a hole anyone would want to film, as I'm sure you know, with him being your favorite person in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so then there's the character of Alex, who is played by Jason Patrick. And he is just sort of underdeveloped. He's just like a stock character of a hero. He just does heroic things for no reason. Like there's bits where the ship is being evacuated and everyone's getting on the lifeboats. And he wants to go looking for Willem Dafoe's character, despite the fact that he's got no loyalty to the cruise ship company. And he's got no reason to really want to go after him. Everybody, or to his knowledge, everybody is safe. So you'd surely just get on the lifeboat and be like, well, I don't really give a shit about this cruise ship and its diamonds. Like, I care about the safety of all the people on board. Well, they're safe now, so I know that would mean the film would just end, but but that's what I'm saying is there's a hole there in the character. He's underdeveloped. Like, why does he care so much about, about this guy who he doesn't know who is doing this thing to this cruise ship company? So, like, in the first one, again... Keanu Reeves' character meets the bad guy right at the beginning before the bulk of the plot fil- of, of, of Speed 1 happens. So then the bulk of the plot of Speed 1 is almost a revenge attack by, the Den- by Dennis Hopper's bad guy against Keanu Reeves and against the police. But that's not there in this film. So why, why basically, why does Jason Patrick's character give a shit? And is it, be- I don't know, is he just meant to be, he's just a hero? Well, they use Drew, don't they, the young deaf girl, as as a sort of motivation for him. Um, so he can, you know, for some reason, he can use sign language. And so he connects with this young girl called Drew. And then they think she's still left on the ship, don't they? And so he goes back to sort of try and rescue her. So they do use that. Um, but yeah, for, 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 I understand what you're saying. For me, it was just kind of like his cop instincts taking over. You know, it's like, oh, I've got to be the one to take charge. Even though, don't they have like boat police like, don't you have both? Yeah, the like Coast Guard. Yeah, they have the yeah. Coast Guard and stuff. And I and I get it. Do you know, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm looking, maybe I'm pulling on a thread that doesn't need to be pulled on. It's an action film. He's the hero, so he's acting heroically. Maybe it's that. But but I feel like that that definitely Jason Patrick and Sandra Bullock. And I know this is probably true because I'm fairly certain I've seen that they've said stuff in the preceding 23 years since the film was released. That they know it's bad. Like, they know the script is not a good script. Particularly Jason Patrick. I think he's quite wooden in parts. He doesn't show much emotion in parts. And we know that Jason Patrick is a good actor because he has done films like Narc and he has done... Well, he was in The Losers, wasn't he? And we, we talked about how good he was as the villain in The Losers. Sandra Bullock, I think, is 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 doing her best, but she's quite underused. It's much more on Jason Patrick's Alex than it is on Annie. And then she spends a lot of the film wearing this ridiculous costume because it's it's well it's that action film thing of she's wearing high heels and a bit of a skimpy top and stuff and it's I don't know I thought she was very much underused but yeah I just thought like you said some of the dialogue is is really poor and really cheesy and because the because there's that lack of jeopardy the exposition has to go into the dialogue so you do get stuff where characters speak like no human being has ever spoken so like you say Willem Dafoe's bad guy has to kill the captain in order for his plan to work so he pushes him over the edge before he does he just tells him his he does do that monologue thing but it doesn't work in the way it would work in some films you know 
monologuing by bad guys has been referenced and you know in things like the incredibles and it does work in in things like james bond and it's about that suspension of disbelief but there's some for some reason in this it just sticks out like a sore thumb some of the dialogue and it's quite like i don't want to say cheesy but it's like it's almost like it, it takes you out of the film you sort of go what why would you say that yeah, certainly. It's not normal conversation. Like you said, it's not how anyone would ever speak or ever try and get their point across. And I really think with a few tweaks and just a few simple tweaks as well with the dial, it could have made such a difference. Like he didn't need to say anything to the captain. He could have just thrown him overboard and, and that would have been fine. And we would have understood what was happening. He's the villain. He's thrown the captain overboard. That makes sense. You then don't need all this kind of, oh, but this is why I'm doing it. And your company hurt me and now I'm going to hurt you. So Sort of thing and it's just a bit ugh. but like you say as well um with uh with alex at the beginning and with with annie as well there's so much like because jack so Ke keanu reeves's character was called jack wasn't it in the first speed and there's a lot of like oh jack but i broke up with jack because of this and you know i didn't like it when jack did this and he said this and i don't want to do that and it's just like really really establishing that Keanu Reeves is not going to be in this film and here are the reasons why, which really kind of sits with what you said about that maybe he was going to do it, but then at the last minute decided not to. And then that would also explain why Jason Patrick maybe had such a hard time. Maybe he only had the script for like a few weeks and then it was like, well, we're shooting now, so you better get into the character. Yeah, you're right. And, and it's, like, it's like what they've basically done is kept the script as it was. Because it might make sense if it was Jack and Annie from the first one. It might make sense that they've been together for a bit now. They're going on a cruise and he's going to propose. And then this, you know, then the plot happens. But in this, it's like they kept that bit and then just was like, we'll just replace him with another guy. Replace him with another guy and put a few lines of dialogue in about how she doesn't like going out with cops and how she doesn't like, you know, she doesn't want to go out with someone where, who's reckless and, a, and an action, you know, is all action. And they use, you know, like you said, they put about four lines in in the first 20 minutes about Jack. And then it's like they just went, well, I'll just keep it the same from from like the first 20 minutes. And it's just clear. It's just clear that it's just like, the script is underdeveloped because he isn't Keanu Reeves' character, but they don't give him any personality of his own mm -hmm. other than being a hero. Uh, so, Alice, before we move on to the critical reception, I believe... Much like the passengers on the cruise ship of Speed 2 Cruise Control, you're going to take us to a destination. Oh, seamless, Josh. Yes, indeed. We haven't been down there for a while, but please join me now as we venture down the rabbit hole. So, today we are talking about the actor who plays everyone's favourite Scottish seaman, Brian McCarty. I only knew Brian from Speed 2, but he has made appearances in some pretty heavy hitters across film and television, including Shameless, Taggart and Filth. Cruise Control wasn't to be his only nautical adventure as he went on to play First Officer Murdoch in the Titanic mini-TV series, the officer in charge on the bridge when the ship collided with an iceberg and then died as the ship sank. Exposing his softer side, McCarty has performed readings of his own poems at various venues around Ireland and apparently is filming them for distribution online. As a youngster, his dad wanted him to become a lawyer, something he had little to no interest in. After failing his exams, he went on the dole in Scotland with just enough money to be able to afford one audition at drama school. And luckily, he nailed it the first time, now boasting a three-decade-long acting career across film, television, and even video games. And that was Alice Down the Rabbit Hole. Uh, so, there we go, another brilliant rabbit hole about uh, Brian McCarty. I wonder if he's ever written any of those poems about his experiences of making Speed 2. 
Well, we'll get to find out soon when they're distributed. I'm very excited. Um, <laughs> there once was a film called Speed. There wasn't really any need. No, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll move on to talking about the um, critical reception then. So, look, I mean, of all the films that we've done, this is probably the one where people know more, most widely spread how it is received. Um, and as you said, we've already we've already both seen it going into it. So to give the uh, you guys listening um, an idea of just how bad it's considered. Um, so on IMDb, it gets three point nine out of ten at time of recording. On Rotten Tomatoes, the audience give it sixteen percent, and the real cherry on top, the critics' reception, they give it. Four percent. Ridiculous. That honestly, Josh, I feel like that is absolutely ridiculous. There is no way that it is that bad. There is no way. Sure, there are problems with it. The script, the story is a bit, you know, a bit weak. And there are some definite problems with the representation of women. But there is no way it's that bad. And all I think, I really think that it's one of those, oh, well, Keanu's not in it. So I guess I'm going to rate it bad. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like people must have just been waiting waiting to hate it because it is, it is not it is no way that bad to deserve those scores and i feel like all the acting was pretty good as well i don't feel like anyone particularly gave a bad performance well, how, how do you feel sorry i'll calm down a little bit <laughs> no do you know what so trying to look at it with with a sort of with a fair eye look the film the film is flawed it is not i don't think it is a good film but it, but I think those scores suggest it is it's like offensively bad. For me, it just is kind of a bit tepid, a bit pointless. It's it's it is flawed, but it's not. It's not like I wouldn't like walk out the cinema if I watched it, or I didn't come away from it going, "Oh God, that was awful." You know, it's just, it's 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 just a disposable action film that that is flawed, isn't as good as its predecessor, and is a bit crap in places. Um, and it's obviously at the time, perhaps it was so poorly received because it it was a massively expensive sort of failure to his first film that was a big hit. So. Perhaps it was just weighed down by expectation at the time. I'm not too sure, but weirdly, and I didn't think I'd say this, but if those are the ratings, it's probably underrated. I'd say I'd say the IMDB score is probably about fair-ish. Really? But the rotten... To, well, yeah, because if you think 3.9 out of 10 is 39%. So that's... That, that's, you know... That's that's more than double the audience score. I mean, four percent by the critics is point four out of ten, isn't it? So it's not that. That's. I mean, I've I think I've probably seen films like that, and they were films that I was like, this is like you see films like that, and you think the people involved in this are almost you should almost not be ashamed of yourself, but you know, I've I've seen films that are so bad, you think, God, what a waste of money. Whereas you know, I think. This is just a it's just flawed, but it's not offensively bad. So I didn't think I'd say this, but judging off those ratings, yeah, I'd probably say it is underrated. And I definitely think it is. And I'm not just saying that because I picked it and you know, or that I wanted it to be good or anything. It's just there is not 
it is not that bad. And I would implore anybody listening to this to go and watch it. And if you've already seen it, go and re-watch it. There is no way that it is 4% bad. I'm not having that one bit. Do you know what the reviewers said? Have you got some of their awful, nasty comments? I actually don't. Because I just thought, I, to be honest, I saw how bad it was and thought, well, it's not going to say not anything. Surprise, yeah. yeah, it's not going to say anything, <laughs> anything mind-blowing. I think it is just similar stuff to what we said, except they've just gone on it a bit harder. But like you say, it's not 4% bad. It's just a, it's a sort of a disposable action film that is flawed. I wouldn't be in a hurry to watch it again, but it's not the worst film I've ever seen. It's not, uh, it's not a good film, but it's not that bad. It's fun. I thought it was fun. You know, it's sunny, there's jet skis, there's motorbikes, there's explosions, there's a really obvious evil guy. Like, what more do you want, you know? And for, and for you to say that about a Keanu Reeves-less sequel, <laughs> you must mean what you're saying. Uh, so there we go. That was uh, Speed 2. I think Alice got quite passionate about that one. I think that came through in your uh, in your passionate defence of Speed 2. I, and I know, and I, know, I never thought that that would be something that would happen, but I just feel like, you know, we need someone needs to stand in its corner, for sure. But anyway, Josh, what are we going to be watching, dissecting, analysing next week? Next week, I thought it was about time we did another listener suggestion. So Lisa Smith has been in touch with us on uh, Instagram and she suggested that we do So I Married an Axe Murderer, which is a Mike Myers Ooh. comedy from the 90s. So that's what I've picked. That's what we're going to be doing next week. We're going to be doing So I Married an Axe Murderer. Very exciting. I look forward to it. So yeah, that's what we're going to be doing next week. In the meantime, if you've got a film that you'd like to suggest for us to do for a future episode, please do get in touch. Uh, it's filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at filmsandthatpod. Um, yeah, so we'll see you next week for I Married an Axe Murderer. Uh, Alice, thank you very much for joining me as ever. Pleasure as always, Josh, and thank you. And it's goodbye from me. Cheerio. Bye. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 